We won't get as far as the Ten Commandments today, but we'll certainly be touching on some of what was shared in that, which is great. Um, and I'll start off by saying, does anybody remember the show The Biggest Loser? It's a few years back now. I didn't do any research on how far back, but I'm thinking maybe 10 years. It's been quite a while. There was a bunch of people, if you haven't watched it, I'll do a quick recap. There's a bunch of people wanting to make a change to their physical health, and they would battle it out to lose kilos with the help of trained personal trainers and other exercise professionals. I think one of them was like a master in taekwondo or something to win the show. But more importantly, it was about improving their overall health by shedding some of this extra weight. Now, if you do remember, as the show progressed, going through the different cardio and the weight training and all of the other forms of physical workouts, it would get towards the end of the competition. And it was at this point that the contestants would always reach this moment where the trainers would have the contestants complete another range of fitness and exercise tasks. But there was a real key difference in this, at this point. What they had to do is they had to complete these obstacles all whilst wearing every bit of weight they had lost during the show. And for some people, if you do remember watching it, the transformation from start of show to this point was quite remarkable. For some of them, it was up to anywhere around 40 kilos that they had shed in the time they were on the show. And now they had to carry this, usually in a vest that they were wearing with all the weights put in, whilst completing the different challenges that were set before them. Now, those extra kilos that each contestant had lost during the show now acted as a reminder of just how different, how life-changing the process was in losing this baggage, in this case, their body weight, and the new freedom that they found as they adopted a new way of living. Now, naturally, every contestant, in the, and I, I would have been the exact same, the very moment that challenge was over, they didn't waste a second in dropping that extra weight and stripping off that vest because I think they knew it was now just a memory of something that was holding them back, right? Memories themselves are another form of baggage that just continually hold us back all of the time. And they're not all bad, but they do hold us back. We often find ourselves reminiscing, and I think the very nature of reminiscing is for positive recall. And in some ways, that can be a trap for each of us. We go to this place of deep remembrance of all those good times, because who really wants to remember the bad ones, given a choice? I know I'd much prefer to remember something good than something bad. It is more likely for each of us to recall those good memories than it is for any of us to choose to recall any of those bad ones. And I can't recall, I have to look at myself when I'm preparing these things at times. I can't recall how many times I've found myself going on a binge fest of looking through photos on my phone. Because as you know, we carry a camera with us everywhere these days. We can take a photo at any given opportunity. And why? I get to revisit the glory moments of my past. I get to reminisce and see my kids in their young years. I get to see myself with a few less grey hairs, probably because of the kids. Just kidding. They're all cute and innocent, right? Recapping some exciting events that I've been a part of over many years, whether it be with church families, whether it be on journey to this point, whether it be with my own family, lots of different things. It could be a holiday, a birthday party, a family event. There's so many positive things that are captured in those moments on my phone. You, you get it out because it appeals to you, right? It's like, get oh, quick, take a photo. 
we should be in the moment sometimes, shouldn't we? It is all the exciting or meaningful things that we keep as memories. It's a momentary escape from reality and often is a tool used to escape something troubling or stressful in the present. I don't know how many times I even just go to look for a particular photo and then realise half an hour later that I'm still looking for that one photo because I've been trolling through different ones. It's crazy. But again, memories are one of our biggest traps, one of our biggest baggages, because what do they have us doing? They have us looking back rather than looking forwards. We always cling to what is good, and I'm not talking about where God says cling to what is good. But sadly, in the world's ideas of what is good, we cling to what is good. Be it a memory or a possession, but where does that leave us? If we are in a space of change or a space of challenge, right in the now, one of the biggest traps to work through in that process is memories. What was, who was, all delusions of grandeur. Because you know what? We actually forget the challenges of that time whilst remembering the shiny memory of the positive stuff in the present. Before we went to college for salvo training, we had to sell our house. To sell our family home involved a lot of work, didn't it? It was, well, not a lot of work, but it involved some work. We wanted to pull out all of the stops to ensure that our house was presented for sale in the absolute best way possible. And by the end, it was actually probably the best it had ever been, which is somewhat disappointing in a way as well. Even whilst we were living there, what we left was even better than whilst we were there. When I quickly think about the whole process and, again, look through some photos, I remember the place as we left it. I remember the place as we left it. The gardens were immaculate. Everything was right. There wasn't a weed to be seen, which, hallelujah, praise the Lord. When you put rocks down as a path in your front yard, not a great idea. That's a lot of weeding. That's a lot of bending over and stuff. Our backyard, for the first time in the whole time that we had lived there, was fully landscaped. It had lawn and bark and some edging for the kids to play on. I think they maybe got about three days to play on it. Good job. Shed was built and put in place. Everything exactly how we had envisioned it to be whilst we had lived there. Oh, the dream. What doesn't come to mind as quickly is the hard yakka that went into getting to that point. We had working bees with family members who chipped in to get pavers down. I had my father-in-law, Karen's dad, and my uncle come and problem-solve this. Put it together yourself, Shed. It shouldn't be a problem. You'll be right. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that easy. (laughs) And the weeding that needed to be done, I tell stories of this stuff. Like, you think I'm tall? We were on the back of market grounds, which means very, very fertile land, And these things were about as thick as a child's arm. Like, they were crazy. And I'm telling you, at times we had to get a bobcat in just to clear it out. Thank God for connections. But the lugging of dirt and bark and all of the works, we even had, and I say this in jest, it wasn't because they did it willingly and they wanted to be a part of it, but it was almost like a little child labour thing going on. They were out the front thinking they could help and scoop it up into the wheelbarrow and all sorts. It didn't last long, but it was cute in the time, and there's a photo of that because it was cute. And I can recall all of that, but when I think in a flash of thought, in a moment of thought about selling my family home and all the times that we had had there, I instantly recall all the good times. The parties that we had inside, each of the birthdays. I instantly remember all of those things. The family we started whilst being there, Amelia and Brody. 
all the way to the gift even from our real estate agent when we finally sold the house, which actually didn't take that long, and the consideration he put into it because of who we were and him getting to know us. They were all good, positive memories. And the challenging times existed too, and I can recall them if I want to, most of them, but they are less likely to come out in that instant recall moment. And I had to be thinking even more, because I'm trying to get you thinking as well in your life. Where were these times? When I think about playing sport, basketball, football, in my life, there was many sports, but they're the main two, I think. In my life, I remember the moments of triumph and the game when the games were won and the personal accolades at times, that game where you scored just this crazy amount of points, something happened and it all just went in. I don't instantly recall the hours of training, they were tedious, the injuries and the time it took, unless they're present, of course, the injuries and the time it took to get back from all of that. I don't recall the odour of the locker room after a wet, soggy game of winter football. No, I don't remember that because you don't want to remember that. It's the positives that draw me back. Go, oh, yeah, I could, I could play. That's probably why I still play basketball. What a fool. And it was the same for the Israelites. Back to the story. It was the same for the Israelites and it is the same for each of us today. Baggage and memories holding us back from what God is putting before us right now and into tomorrow. We don't let ourselves press into the future that God is calling us towards because I think sometimes we lack the faith and the spiritual discipline that then in turn stops us from fully relying on God's provision, God's faithfulness and his protection for us amongst all things. And so we're looking at Exodus 16. And the Israelites have come out of Egypt where they were prisoners and slaves to the power of Egypt. It doesn't sound good to me. Through Moses' obedience to God's call on his life, the Israelites are now free through the power and provision of God and are in the desert following Moses' leading. And this is where their head's at. And so we're going to go to the first two verses of today's scripture. Here we go. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Hold it there. Free from slavery... Free from Egyptian rule, free from the burden of daily labor and punishment. And it wouldn't have been easy. They didn't have the tools we have today. And the Israelites are now complaining to Moses and Aaron about their situation. And this isn't a complaint. I'm going to give some context to this complaint. This isn't a complaint from a select group of unhappy Israeli people. It's not one or two or six in the cartoon. This is complaining from the whole people of God. Now, those of us who have had kids or been around children or have gone on a long trip with anybody will know the sound of whinging, right? I've whinged before, I'll admit it. And now times that number by thousands and thousands and thousands. And here is, we have the are we there yet and the I'm hungry sounds of the Israelite people. That's not a pleasant sound, I don't think, for two people, Moses and Aaron, to be fronting up to. 
And the number of people here, when we look into the story and we calculate how many people may have been a part of this cohort of Israel at the time, was around two and a half million people. So two and a half million people. Just imagine the MCG full of people. And that's a a lot more of that. That's 25 MCGs full of people complaining and grumbling all together directed at two people. And to add to this, this is not the first time the Israelite people have complained in their situation either because they complained at a place called Marah about the quality of the water not all that long ago. But in this moment, they seem to have had short-term memory loss because God responded in that situation by giving them good quality water to drink and then leading them to a beautiful oasis as well. Their complaining now makes it appear that they have forgotten how God himself had freed them from their slavery and saved them also at the Red Sea and also gave them fresh water at Mara. So what can we assume here? When you complain about something and you get provided something and we're humans, can you see what might be happening here? The Israelites are grumbling and moaning and forgetting the provision of God and his leading into new life and instead are somewhat trying to persuade, manipulate the situation and wear their leaders down simply to get what they want. They're like, well, we complained before, we got what we wanted and then we came up against another situation so we complained and we got what we wanted and God's like, come on people, I provide for you but I still put testing in place, what's going on? So much so that they are even so disillusioned by the memories of their past. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, where they were slaves. They remember the food, they remember the bread and the meat in Egypt. Look, I remember the wonderful donut snack packs in Ringwood, Victoria, which every time we go back there, it's a side trail off to that place. So food can have a real positive memory. Again, if I ate too many of those, I'd need to apply for the biggest loser. But we remember things. They aren't recalling the oppressed life they lived, but they recall the good memory of abundant food. In this, their response is to call out the leadership of Moses and Aaron, claiming that all they have done is bring them out to die. This new life is simply a dead end and ill-considered moves by some pretty poor leaders. And so they expect a favourable response to this complaint because they did, in fact, remember the provisions that God had blessed them with, like the water at Marah. And in all of this, whilst the people of Israel appear to be complaining against Moses and Aaron as the visible physical leaders, the ones who have brought them to this place in the physical space of things, what they're actually doing, and Moses makes this pretty clear, is complaining about God and his leading of them. Their relationship with God as a people had dwindled so far that their answer was to place blame on the leaders they could physically go to. They lacked faith in God who led them out of Egypt through Moses and Aaron. Any hope of a future was marred by the current assumptions mixed with disillusioned memories of the past. Progress through the provision and faithfulness of God couldn't outweigh or even be considered due to this mental baggage that the Israelites were holding on to. In this time of transition, in this desert or wilderness season, as Karen alluded to, God was still preparing a way in God's timing. 
verse 4, Ash. If it's a little bit different, I apologize. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. I'll read from here. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Next one. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Last one for now. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Hold it there. So there we have it. Moses clearly points out to the Israelite people that their complaints may be directed towards Moses and Aaron in the flesh, but in fact, what they're doing is their complaints are really against God. But despite this, God looks to restore relationship with the people because that's what he is all about. God is looking to restore his relationship with the people so that they can be prepared for the journey that he knows lies ahead of them. And the journey was where? In the little cartoon, do we pick up, where are these Israelites being taken to? I know you've got it, and I heard some murmurs there that sounded like promised land. The journey leading to the promised land, that's right. A journey guided by faithfulness in God who provides and is preparing the way forwards. So now we're going to look at the rest of it, Ash, starting at verse 8. I'll read from here. Oh, that's fun. Go back one. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. There it is. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, that was an easy verse. I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. But Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. I always love how God continues to show himself if we're willing to see and draw close to him. And in verse 9 in particular, can relate to every single one of us right now. It says, Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. We see that the people of Israel were in a tough situation. They were in the desert. There was somewhat around 2.5 million of them. They would have been physically challenged by this whole desert experience and food reserves would have undoubtedly been low and so they complained. They would have been rationing everything. 
Their current situation had them so disillusioned, though, that they reminisced and looked back at the good old days of slavery in Egypt, potentially death in Egypt, as an escape from the now, rather than pressing into the story that God was creating in their present. Despite God showing up time and time again, even in that physical presence of the cloud, as the presence of God, also with his provision for them, letting them get through the Red Sea, providing them water from the rock, now providing them not only the bread on the ground in the morning, but the quails at night. Their relationship with God that would allow them to faithfully follow his calling through Moses and Aaron to the next chapter was hindered. It was hindered. But God provides. God wants relationship with every single one of us. And God is moving us to new kingdom works. We're not called to stand still. We're called to know God and move with him. And he'll provide every step of the way. Our baggage holds us back. Our memories can be the most severe baggage we hold on to. The Israelites went straight back into dreaming of the glory days in Egypt. Days that had them oppressed in slavery as a better option to freedom under God. And our memories can't hold us back from pressing into what God is calling us towards today either. Because God is at work in this place, I believe it. God is at work in this place. And even if we can't see it yet, we need to believe that God has a plan and a path to take for this place and for our lives. Will. Will we fully be able to comprehend what God's provision looks like all the time? No. And in the last bit of verse 15, it was the exact same for the Israelites. And it said, when the Israelites saw it, the provision of God, they said to one another, do we remember what the three words were? What is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. But Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. What is it? The Lord has spoken through Moses and it is Moses who guides them towards their provision from the Lord. The Israelites couldn't even identify the provision of God at this stage of their relationship with God. So Moses shared the goodness of God with them. Find those people. Find that understanding of the generosity of God. Find God for yourself. And the baggage you hold won't need to be carried anymore. The revelations of God's goodness and his faithfulness will start to become undeniable for you. We need to have faith that God is at work in this place. We need to have faith that God is working in our very lives. And we need to press into that relationship so that we can identify exactly where God is working. And if we don't do that, our baggage, our memories, our selfish expectations, our humanness, our very humanness will get in the way of us experiencing exactly what God is doing around us. We can't hope to move with the will of God if we can't shed those extra kilos, lose that baggage that is holding us back from following God's plan. Memories can be good. I'm not saying memories are bad. Like I said, I get on the phone and I reminisce as well. But they can also hold us back. God is leading us into something really special. God is leading us into something very special. 
So let's take on the words of the chorus that we'll play in a moment. There'll be a song that sings in a minute. Where the words say, I will trust where you lead and you is God. I will trust where you lead me, God. I will trust when I can't see. When I'm saying, basically, what is it? I will trust where you lead. I will trust when I can't see. Morning by morning, great is your faithfulness to me. To be reasonably blunt, it's time to shed the past and work to the future that God is leading us towards. Our God provides. Our future is secure. The victory has been won. Our God wants relationship with each and every one of us. I'll say that till the day I die. Instead of holding the baggage and memories that hinder us, let's look to the constant provisions that we do receive from God. Food on the table, roofs over our heads, the ability to come to worship without persecution, given the ability to draw close to God in community. As we press on towards everything that God is calling us to, as both people and as a church. His faithfulness is sure. He keeps his word. We just need to trust him and follow his lead.